Franco Ordonez, you cover the White House for NPR. You're also on the Politics Podcast quite a bit. And you recently were on a plane to Honduras with Vice President Kamala Harris. How come? Well, Vice President Harris was going to Honduras to attend the inauguration of Xiomara Castro. She's the new president um, of Honduras. And she's also a potential partner, a big partner for the United States in its effort to fight the root causes of migration. Um, and it's a really big deal, actually, that Kamala Harris went uh, because, you know, vice presidents don't often go to Latin America for inaugurations and particularly countries as small as Honduras. So it really shows how important this is for this White House uh, to have this partnership, because, frankly, they really don't have someone that Harris can call in the region uh, to talk with and really work out how to make things better. Our perspective as the United States in terms of our relationship with Honduras is one that we believe our nations, as are most nations these days, interconnected and interdependent. Because the vast majority of the migrants that are coming to the United States, that are coming to the border, are coming from the countries in Central America, in the Northern Triangle. We're going after the American dream because in our country there's no jobs, there's a lot of crime, and you cannot make a living. Our house was swept away by hurricanes. So that's Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador, and increasingly a number are coming from Nicaragua, though Nicaragua is not part of the Northern Triangle. And the reality is, the United States needs a partner because they don't have so much of a partner in Guatemala and El Salvador, which have kind of taken anti-democratic turns and they've been having problems with corruption. Uh, so the United States is kind of desperate for someone and they hope that that person is Xiomara Castro. The last time Vice President Harris took a trip to Central America, it didn't go so well. I want to be clear to folks in this region who are thinking about making that dangerous trek to the United States-Mexico border. Do not come. Do not come. She told migrants very emphatically not to come to the United States, and it wasn't very well received. Did this one go better than that one? Yeah, I would, I would say it, it went a lot better than that one. I mean, that one, you know, really went against what so much of the supporters of the administration wanted to hear. Uh, they wanted a more humane policy, and that didn't sound like the kind of policy that they thought they were going to get, and that was obviously very early in the administration. This trip, uh, it was some good news to, to share and to talk about and to tout. I mean, the administration has really been having such a hard time with the region now, with this potential new partner, this is some good news for the administration because Xiomara Castro campaigned on a platform that the United States really, really liked.
promising to fight corruption. President Xiomara Castro ran on an anti-corruption platform, promising an overhaul of the country's legal system. Promising to improve health care. She's promising to work on climate change. It's those things, particularly fighting corruption, are the things that uh, the United States want to hear. Great, well, let's talk a little bit more about this new Castro. Does she have any relation, first off, to the old Castro in Cuba. She does not have any relation to the old Castro in Cuba, um, as far as I know. Okay, fair. What's her story? I mean, how'd she come to power? Was she elected democratically? Was there any funny business? So there was no funny business. It was actually a very decisive uh, victory for, you know, there were a lot of concerns about it because in the last election, there was accusations of funny business. Um, so it was a concern of that happening this time, but it wasn't. And how she came to the power is, you know, she's actually the wife of a former president of Honduras who was ousted in a, in a coup. And she ran twice before um, in the following years and did not win, but this time she did. And, and again, it was a very decisive victory. Uh, she had a lot of support and a lot of enthusiasm. I mean, when I was there in the stadium in Honduras for the inauguration, I mean, there was a lot of excitement inside and outside the stadium for Xiomara Castro. How do the Honduran people feel about this extra attention from the United States? Well, I mean, I think there's been a big demand from the people of Honduras. They, too, want, you know, these issues to be addressed. We hope that she will deliver that which we've been hoping for for years, that people will no longer migrate to other countries, that people will stay and have decent employment, because we all have a right to that. No one wants to, to leave their home. They want more economic opportunities in their home countries. And they're quite fed up with the challenges that their governments have had. That's why, I mean, I think you can make an argument or make a case why Castro was so decisively elected. Okay, so how does the Biden administration want to capitalize on all of this excitement around this new Honduran president? I mean, apart from her being anti-corruption, what do they actually want to accomplish? You know, it's it's a tough question because there's, there are so many needs in Central America. But the kinds of things that they feel that they can work with Castro on are helping the Honduran people, particularly, for example, they've already announced some more vaccines going to Honduras. They're helping provide some funding for education, for a public health awareness. They want to do the kind of things that are going to encourage the Honduran people to stay in their homes and not feel a need to leave. Poverty has increased by 74% to turn our country into the poorest in Latin America. This statistic in itself explains the caravans of thousands of people who flee north towards Mexico and the United States. Xiomara Castro has talked about putting in a new kind of 
prosecutorial type thing to kind of fight corruption. It was something that was done in Guatemala, and she's talked about bringing the UN, the United Nations, to help with that. Um, so these are the kind of things that she's talking about and that the United States feels that they can help uh, kind of bring her along and help this because the reality is she has some huge, huge challenges. The The economy in Honduras is really, really bad. Drugs and narco trafficking um, are basically permeated in every part of the Honduran state. Uh, and she's hopeful that, you know, with the United States help and with others help, that she can start to kind of pick away at some of these problems and hopefully provide some, you know, more hope for, for her people because so many are coming to the United States. I think in the last fiscal year, more than 300,000 Hondurans were encountered by Border Patrol agents. That's a lot. Well, let's talk about this economic plan that the United States is drawing up with Honduras. How does it work? One of the key things that they're doing, because they feel that, you know, it's not only going to be government social services as that really is going to help the country. The, there's so many issues and they really want to bring in the private sector. It's called Partnership for Central America. And what they're trying to do is get American companies to partner with Honduran companies to kind of boost the opportunities, boost jobs, basically, so that people do not feel that they need to leave. And they've gotten some commitments from companies like Microsoft, Cargill, Care International, PepsiCo. Perseverancia, resiliencia, liderazgo, compromiso y constancia nos han llevado a celebrar este momento en la historia. Esta es la historia de una gran comunidad, una historia de éxito que continuaremos escribiendo juntos. Cargill. Um, and so, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens, but they hope, you know, to make some progress. And somehow a leftist politician named Castro is is on board with bringing in a bunch of raging capitalism to turn her country around. Yeah, that's what's been very interesting about this election. You know, there, it's kind of counterintuitive uh, that that would be the case. But she's really, so far, so far, she has shown at least that she is willing to kind of butt certain trends. And, you know, a lot of people, when she was first elected, the narrative was like, this is going to be really bad for the United States. You know, a socialist is being elected, a leftist. But, you know, it's been very interesting to watch and listen to her speak because she is very eager to work with the United States on some of these issues, including economic and working with, uh, you know, U.S. business and trying to figure out different ways to help her people. Now, could that change? Absolutely. I mean, this, these problems have been going on for, for years and years and years, administration after administrations. You know, Obama spent billions in Central America. Limited progress has been made. comes from Mint Mobile. Sometimes you see a really good sale, a really good deal, and you think, huh, what's the catch? 
You may be used to seeing, quote unquote, great deals from overpriced wireless providers and thinking, what's the catch? With Mint Mobile, they say, there is no catch. For a limited time, their wireless plans are just 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, you can go to mintmobile.com slash explained. That's mintmobile.com slash explained. You could cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash explained. $45 upfront payment is required. That's equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 GB on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Support for Che Explained comes from FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. If you like spy thrillers or indeed Elizabeth Moss, then you might want to check out FX's The Veil. It's an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. Oh, I'll go. One woman has a secret, same here, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Franco, a minute ago, you mentioned that there were some serious, profound challenges to actualizing this sort of economic agenda that the Biden administration is working on with countries like Honduras. Let's talk about the challenges in Honduras itself. Beyond corruption, beyond drugs, what are the challenges facing this new president as she tries to implement this agenda with companies like Microsoft and Pepsi and, and Cargill? She's got huge challenges, particularly in Congress. You know, there was a lot of hope that her party would take control um, of the various branches of government and she would have the support of leaders of her party in implementing this entire agenda. But what happened is, you know, the leftist government kind of split into two where she doesn't have the same kind of power that that the United States can kind of hope they would. And it really created a, a congressional crisis. Xiomara Castro's presidency is already fraught with trepidation even before it starts. Right before the vice president went down to Honduras, uh, members of Congress on the left were literally punching each other in the halls of Congress down in Honduras. Honduras's Congress is in crisis over who should lead the legislative body. Last week, around 20 lawmakers from her own Libre o Freedom Party defected in opposition to Castro's choice for congressional leader. So without that kind of support that she uh, hoped to have, it's going to be really hard to kind of implement so many of the things that she uh, wants to implement. You know, on top of that, we've talked a lot about corruption, but that is always going to be a big issue because drug trafficking of the narco world really do have their tentacles in so many parts of the Honduran state. So it is going to take a lot, again, without kind of like the party leadership that she had hoped to have. Uh, it is going to be harder and harder to kind of push back uh, against that kind of narco infrastructure that she'll likely have to fight. So what does that mean for this agenda that, that the Biden administration is trying to implement? Is it going to make it through Honduran political gridlock? Are they going to be dealing with gridlock in the United States 
and down in Central America. I mean, I mean, that's likely the case. I mean, there's going to be, you know, continued battles and ongoing battles that Castro is going to have to fight and deal with in Tegucigalpa. And the United States, you know, from the sources and the administration that I've spoken to, they're very wide-eyed that those are going to be challenges for them. And Honduras isn't the only country at stake here and where they're investing. Do we have any idea how this strategy might work out in other Northern Triangle countries where, where they don't have an ally in leadership? Yeah, I mean, that's why Castro is so important and so key to the United States. I mean, clearly a lot of migration is coming from Honduras, but there's also a lot of migration coming from Guatemala and a lot of migration coming from El Salvador. The president of El Salvador, Bukele, he has been recently getting into fights with the U.S. administration over social media, particularly Twitter. So there's really not so much uh, collaboration going on between the United States and those other leaders. Hence, why it's so important for the United States to finally have someone, I mean, to have someone that Harris can call and talk about some of these issues. So if this goes well, it could be something of a game changer, at least in one country in Central America, where we're seeing a lot of migrants leaving and making their way up to the U.S.-Mexico border. But that's just one country at the end of the day, huh? Yeah, it's one country at the end of the day. And game changer is an interesting word to put <laughs> forward because a game change would be like a lasting relationship, um, you know, and having good cooperation with a leader. To A game changer would be, you know, implementing some of the things that Castro wants to implement, such as, you know, a special court to investigate corruption. I think the idea of numbers starting to decrease are many years, many, many years away. But you're absolutely right. It's only one country. And, it, and that shows how big of a challenge this issue is and how big of a challenge it's going to be for the long-time future. I mean, any idea or hope that some of this will be resolved by the midterms, just for example, is not gonna, it's not gonna happen. And, and how will the Biden administration have to respond if this type of strategy just continues to not work as, as it has for the previous 10 or so years? Yeah, I mean, there are those who are like, why does the United States continue to invest billions and billions of dollars in a part of the world that causes the United States so many problems? But the reality is, you know, the United States, their interests are just too great in Central America. I mean, the numbers of people coming to the United States are, are just so high that the United States can't afford to do nothing. The stakes are just too high. Franco Ordonez, he's the White House correspondent for National Public Radio. You can often hear him on the NPR Politics Podcast, too. I'm Sean Ramosferm. Our show today was produced by Halima Shah, edited by Matthew Collette, engineered by Paul Mounsey and his boss, Afim Shapiro, and fact-checked by Laura Bullard. It is Today Explained. 